He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock. And he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead to Siva. Oh. And the Hello, and welcome to a sad edition of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Don't think we really need to waste a damn time. We don't need to waste a goddamn minute. (laughs) Anyone that's listening knows what happened. So, Gabe, we could start, and you just tell me how you experienced it, and we'll just um, let it flow. Yeah, man. Um, I was at the, I was at the game. I was at the game. Um, I went with my wife. We haven't been to super, a lot of games together this year for a variety of reasons, you know, having a kid now, it's a little hard for both of us to go. Uh, we made sure we went to UK together. We know how that went. And then we're like, Oh yeah, for sure. We're going to go to Duke together. So I, and, and I'm going to be what the 30th person that tells you on this podcast that the crowd was incredible, but the crowd was incredible. Uh, I, I sat down for maybe five minutes, the entire game. It was, uh, the first half felt like a second half crowd wise and the second half. Uh, yeah, we, we talk about that. Um, but I don't know, Chris, I mean, it's, you kind of, you go, you're up, what up by 10 at halftime. And you go, you go and you get another drink and you're feeling like, okay, we know, we know that the run is coming. Yeah. I mean, the the issue for me is the more the Louisville Lee went up, the more that I drank. So that, exactly. that, was, a, that was an entire problem in itself. So, so we can go to the point where it's like, I, 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 I'm not feeling like, I'm not feeling like super, if we blow this game at, you know, we're up by 10 or nine and a half. If we blow this game, I'm not going to be super mad because they're still super good. Right. It's when you get up by 20 that you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. And I was going through, you know, I, I mentioned before I was going to go through the play by play and find the spot where something felt really weird. And it was, I'm pulling it up right here. It was at 13 minutes. It was Dwayne Sutton missing the one and one. And it, and they were up by 20 at that exact moment at 13 minutes, nine seconds. I have it here. And Dwayne Sutton misses the first one of the one and one. And I was like, that's odd. That doesn't, that never happened. Three, three free throws. um, Yes. And they were all in the second half and they were all front end of one ones which yes. are basically turnovers. <laughs> exactly. So no one, so that happens at 1309. Nothing happens for a few, they turn a few turnovers happen on both ends. Uh, Ryan McMahon fouls Trey Jones. I remember that was a, a contentious call. Trey Jones makes both. So now it's 19 points. And then there's a few, there's a, a Jordan Nora three or Jordan war three that felt really good. But then cam reddish dr- drills, a three pointer. And it was like five feet away from the basket. I like remember that one. And that was like the, Oh, Oh, yeah. Cause there were a few turnovers like, okay, that's weird. They're starting to turn the ball over and the press is starting up. And that cam reddish three, cause cam reddish hadn't really done a whole lot up until that point. I think, if I recall correctly, RJ Barrett was mostly the one doing and 
was like, oh no, here comes Cam Reddish. Here comes, I mean, he's really their, their, their sharpshooter. And that's when I, I literally said out loud, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're in that, that 15 to 12 minute window where for there for like a, a moment, it kind of felt like Kay was just going to let them like get right out of the building. He wasn't going to do anything and be like, Hey, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson and you know, you're going to learn. And that's almost, it felt for me, um, was that they were at this kind of like tipping area of where that could have happened. And then uh, I think, I think that uh, my point was a little bit later. I think it may have been that three that he hit that I kind of felt that way. Um, yeah. then, then they went to zone and when they went to zone, I immediately was concerned because I knew Louisville hadn't seen that very much this year. Right. Um, it was a weird place for, you know, the psychology of a fan to be because it's almost with a 20 point lead. The worst, uh, worst outcome isn't going to be heartbreak. It's going to be pure anger. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was for me. And I just, I, I was at home. Um, I was watching it with a girlfriend and, uh, you know, just, just watching it, having some drinks, having some food, whatnot. And, um, I, I was just thinking about people in parking garages trying to leave out of there and how much of just a angry mess that must have been because it's lazy to compare Virginia and Louisville and last night. We're not going to do that very yeah, much. Yeah, We're not going to do that. We're not going to do a poll question, which loss was worse. Yeah, Everyone I, literally like, uh, come on. Like, I, I don't want to do that shit, but I was I'm not, heartbroken I'm not here, about here from the hashtag content, but not that kind of hashtag content. Right. I, I was heartbroken about Virginia, but I was pissed off last night. And I, I'm still yeah. pissed off today for and we can get going and talk about coaches and talk about whatever. But I, I really don't understand what Louisville, the fan base has done to deserve this type of I mean, this type of heartbreak. And, that, you yeah. know, it's not thrusted on you from some God that's that's going to make this heartbreak happen. But damn, dude, it, it feels like it. Not I mean, not. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic with this statement. I, I haven't even, I didn't even tell you this before we started, but I was texting with a good buddy, um, lives in Denver and you know, he's not even been here to kind of absorb all of the BS that's happened the past few years, but he made the point, And I think it's a fair one. When you measure the input, the, how much this, community cares about college basketball, how much they care about the Cardinals and then how much shit they've gone through since since the end of the 2013 season, since the end of that season, if you go season by season, you know, what 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and now 19, you'd be hard pressed to find a fan base. Who's been more tortured. You have the 2014 UK loss in the, in the, in the sweet 16, you have the scandals that happen. You have the law. You have the loss against Michigan that is underrated for just, I don't know how that one of the weirdest tournament losses. losses. You have the, uh, the, the, the season that self-imposed ban, uh, you know, you have the loss to Virginia. You have this loss. Yes. Uh, Louisville has achieved some things. It's not like they're DePaul and they're not making the tournament. But I think when you compare the investment that this fan base has to the amount of heartache and heartbreak, I think we've got a real 
bid for the most tortured fan base no, in the past five and, to six years. And that's a part of it. In some respects, you would rather be at DePaul University because you wouldn't have the emotional investment in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm very thankful to, you know, that Lobos had some of the achievements they've had, the, the Final Four runs, the championship runs, the tournament runs. But my God, dude, I mean, you said it pretty perfectly. Um, everything that this fan base has been through, and not even just from a basketball standpoint, we can go ahead and talk of throw football in there, too. Because of course. It's part yeah, of it. yeah, right. They deserved a night less like last night to be drunk and party their asses off and, and, you know, rejoice in it. And instead it was just more replays from hell. Last night was a, it, it, it should have been a coming out party. It should have been Zion. Everyone zooming in on Zion. Uh, the, the, the Duke blockbuster ESPN package is there. And for 30 minutes, I mean, yeah, Zion was balling out like he was there he, when he was getting the ball, you know, sort of right, right close to the three point line. He could do whatever he wanted to get to the rim. But on defense, he was getting pantsed. He was getting pantsed on defense. Oh, you know, it, so the, 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 the two inbounds plays were just beautiful. And it should have been the The story should have been. Look at Louisville's back. Louisville's here. And it's it and it wasn't <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I do want to just go ahead and extend this conversation and just talk about what responsibility that Chris Mack takes for this loss because we yeah. can spin, spin in circles, just kind of you know pontificating about how we feel about the state of <laughs> the emotional stability of the fan base. Yeah. But I, I do want to Re- kind of really quick, Chris, really quick, Chris, before we go there, because we mentioned kind of when we thought things were going bad. When did you know that they were going to lose? When did I know they were going to lose? Did you know they were going to lose? Um, probably that Christian Cunningham slip. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was the most significant moment of, of the game of the actual run itself. I agree. Um, the funny thing about the slip, um, and the and even after Trey Jones scored the wide open layup, Louisville still had a seventy one percent chance to win the game. Um, they came down the court up up three um, with about less than two minutes remaining, and then it was followed up by Ryan McMahon miss wide open layup, almost wide open. I mean, a layup that he makes. Then that probability went down to fifty four percent. And that was like another thing that was so weird about the game is like, yes, the turnovers were what doomed Louisville. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, but what they left like eight points oh, on, yeah. on layups in the first half alone, you add the second half and, then and there was like was... another two or three layups that just were, were bunnies and missed and guys got too cute worrying about the length of Duke and tried reverse layups. I mean, what there were like four missed reverse layups that game. Yeah. And I mean, the analysis from, from many that I heard today on local airwaves was that Louisville played somewhere over their heads in the first half. And I thought they played great, but I didn't think it was just, Oh my God, they can't miss a shot. I mean, the first five minutes oh, was no. filled with them. I, what felt like for me, 
the very first five minutes, Louisville doesn't go on that run in the first half and, you know, have that double digit lead. I thought the first five minutes were a missed opportunity because it was zero to zero for, I don't know how long the team, I mean, Louisville should have been up by 15, maybe 20 at half. And that's what I, and that's what I recall saying to some people at halftime was yes, Duke has a gear that they're going to hit, but it almost felt like Louisville had another gear left as well. And they, kind of, yeah. they did hit that gear. They, they, you know, they lifted that lead to 20, but they weren't hitting the outside shots that they normally do. Yeah. I mean, it's not like that. The Steven Enoch two threes were just absurd. I, yes. I heard a few people making that the dude shooting 45% on the year. Granted, right. he hasn't took a lot, but he's made two threes in, you know, four or five ACC games this year. Yeah. I mean, when uh, he's but, wide open, he's shown to be, you know, you know, shooting very well when, when he's got that almost, I mean, better than, than I'd rather him take that shot than Malik Williams. A lot of times at this point, what's interesting about this going forward as it relates to Duke, cause I'm curious how much, I mean, we've seen teams get dominated in the regular season and win a national championship. That's not unheard of at all, but I'm curious how much of a blueprint like this kind of messes with their psyche and, you know, kind of what teams do to them and, and how they're approached in the tournament, because that Louisville put together a blueprint. Syracuse's obviously beat them, but not everyone can walk out of bed and play Syracuse's zone. They don't have that length and they, they're not yeah. getting taught it year in a year. So I do think there's some type of blueprint established that Louisville may have, may have came across I, last night. I, I think maybe, but I also think that to me going into the matchup, I thought Louisville had a real chance because of what had happened at Virginia on Saturday Yeah, because Duke had performed so well. They had shot the lights out of it. And I'm, I'm a big believer in it takes a little bit for you to, to recalibrate yeah. after that. And I think, uh, and I think honestly that first half was more that than any, not, not listen. And I, 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 I heard, the word disinterested a few times from, you know, seeing, seeing people are making excuses for Duke. I, I don't, I, you know, you're a college basketball team. You've got, you know, you have 30 games. You've got to come out and play every day. So I don't, I don't necessarily buy the fact that, Oh, we can give Duke a pass for how they played in the first half. But I do think that Virginia was a good part of why um, they struggled in that first yeah, half, but but Louisville, just, Louisville took a great advantage of that. And that's what great teams do is you take advantage of what's given to you. Yeah, and we think, knew that's what Louisville had to do. And they did it. I think back cuts and having a big man that can stretch the floor might Completely just be agree. something you want to watch going forward because Duke doesn't really have the most talented big man. Uh, and that's Marcus what Virginia, Virginia fine, doesn't have. Yeah. Virginia doesn't have that kind of big guy. So, and, and I think that's why that, that doesn't work really well against them. You know, thinking about those two matchups, um, it will be really interesting to see how UNC plays them. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about how it's February 13th and mobile can't seem to figure out a yeah. for us. Let's play the blame game. Um, look, man, uh, I put a lot, I, I think, I think it's a weird place that mobile fans are at because like you've had these great, these great triumphs this season where not a lot of them expected to do it. And there's a lot of like admiration for Chris Mack and, you know, coach of the year accolades possibility. And for so long, people got used to, you know, just giving Patino heat every game. He can be fired every game. Like from the fan base's perspective, they had no trouble saying that because that's just what the expectation was set at. So I think Louisville fans are in a weird place where they don't want to blame Chris Mack too much, or they're on the complete other perspective. And they're like, we're not going to make the tournament. And neither one of those are right. 
Right. But it, it was just raw reaction from last night. But I think there there are some serious questions, and we can start with a. How do you come off that Florida State loss and still look maybe the same, even worse against any type of pressure? B. How does Chris Mack teams continuously blow these massive leads? We saw it against Boston College to an extent. We saw it against Miami, a few other teams. Um, so, so we can start with just uh, why is this team continually struggling with pressure? Is it just as simple as only having one ball handler? I don't know. I, I think so. I want to. Here's. I want to believe that. I want to believe. Um, I want I, I want to believe that not having that athletic guy who can make good decisions is the reason why. Kristen Cunningham, uh, you know, he's not athletic enough to get out of the the trap to, to get out of the press. Darius Perry is, but then he gets the ball and he makes poor passing decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan McMahon, I think, also runs into that athletic issue. Zero turnovers last night, by the but way. zero turnovers last night. But I don't. He never. Ryan McMahon never had to make a dis. I don't. I I don't recall a situation where he had to make a decision that appeared dicey to me. No, that's fair. He was he was kind of the outlet guy. He would get the pass, and then he would pass it. I think to Sutton, who would maybe either be right across the the timeline or just in front of, just behind it. Um, I don't know, Chris, because I because I, I and 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 we talked a little bit before this, but I, I'm starting to worry that this is the Chris Mack demon, that this is the skeleton in the closet. And yeah. and, and, and some research I have and we talked a little about, you know, you know, his Xavier team, it was a one seed losing to Florida State up by 10 with 10 minutes left. And they blew that game. Uh, you know, talk about Florida State losing to them, a similar kind of issue with athletic guards. Um, you know, they they blew it. They had pretty high um, win probability rate against Wisconsin. That was a little closer of a game. But it, it's I'm starting to worry that this might be the Chris Mack skeleton that he his late game problem, his late game. Um, he doesn't have a solution for late game. I, I, I don't I'll be interested, you know, a question for you. I'm interested to get your answer, Chris. When they took the final timeout, did you think that was a mistake? Well, my bigger question is, how do you lead the game for double digits most of the time and have one timeout left of five minutes in the game? Why, why would you find yourself in that situation? What do you, what do you need to call timeouts during the first half that are so pressing? I don't know. How I don't recall. I, yeah, I don't recall the first two timeouts in the second half. Um, I recall that one of the, that the third timeout was, um, we probably should have looked that up because I, I, that, that was something that I really thought about, but I, I, just, recall, I recall the, this, the, the, the third timeout in the second half was Quan for, uh, taking a timeout when he was trying not to turn the ball over. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. as far as it relates to like that being a mistake, I don't know. I mean, at the time it felt like it felt like the, uh, the right play, but at the time Louisville was also nursing, you know, a 13, 14 point lead. Yeah. If you're, so, I mean, it's so hard with little stuff like that because I, I just don't know that I really have the answer for you. I, my my biggest thing is as it relates to Mac is I don't know if it's more of a athletic guard thing, a late game situation thing, or just his team's coast when they get big leads. And 
I mean, we can talk about the the late game execution and how they just look completely unnerved for for so long when you know that that pressure came. But even the sixteen minute mark to the eleven minute mark, there were some dumb shots. There was yes. Malik Williams jacking it up from the corner for three. There were there were quick shots, and, and that that's a part of it too, I think. And it was almost they they there's weird thing happened where they had that span, sort of what I mentioned right, but you know the lead up to the first. Um, reddish uh three point uh there was like several times where I, I think two there were two wide open ryan mcmahon threes that that one of those goes in one if one of those goes in i think we're talking differently today you know i think we're i think we're having a different conversation today and there was a, a, an open malik williams three sometimes he drains that um they 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 started taking these threes with you know over 20 seconds left in the shot clock and then chris mack takes so chris mack takes the timeout he takes the timeout at six minutes and says what are you guys doing or you know please stop doing this well um, is a little bit before that you know please stop doing this and then they went the complete other way chris right they 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 almost did it go for for layups they they pulled back when at all possible so it was almost like chris had to be like hey like don't also don't do that and i i what's this what's, is i don't know if you, this, like this is this is a flaming take and i'm not just going to throw it out there and say that this is the case but it does make you wonder where that communication gap is with chris mack and his players he's pushed so many right buttons this season yes. We've seen yes. the way his teams have rebounded from losses. I'm not going to say there's an issue, but in something like that happens, it does make you pause. Yes. And, and one, one button that he pressed, I think everyone kind of, and deservedly kind of is questioning is putting Christian Cunningham at the at the, at the free throw line of the zone. And that's just, he, that was a recipe for disaster. He wasn't athletic enough to make the passes. I get why Chris did it. He wanted to have the shooters out on the corners, but man, maybe, you know, maybe that's a spot where you do go twin towers, where you do go, you, you do go Malik Williams and Steven Enoch there. Cause you know, both of those guys can, can pass the ball pretty well. And you, you, you do have one of those tall guys at the free throw line. I mean, uh, not to compare Chris Mack to Rick Pitino, but Gorgie Zhang would always be at that free throw line yeah. and he would always bust the zone. So for Chris Mack to, to put kind of an undersized guard against that tall, tall, long Duke team, that felt like a real mistake in game. And I, yeah. I was questioning it in game. Like, why is, why is Christian being this distributor? And, you know, not, not, you know, and I, I don't want to be too negative on Christian because, you know, he had he had a lot of turnovers, but what he had 12, 12 assists. assists. He played you don't you games. don't win the game. You don't win the game without him. So so it, there's that. But that felt like a mistake. Yeah, and it felt I, like I, a I real think, time. I think this is that tough part where we walk this line, though. and We have to remember that these are not Chris Max guys. Yeah. And that's but even then, there's a guy that's better suited on this team to play that role. Malik Williams would have been to me a guy you would love to have at the top of the zone because he's quick enough to get to the, to beat a guy off the dribble and he can make a free throw line shooter. So, I mean, right. uh, it's, it's a really tough part of being critical with Chris Mack, but you're fooling yourself. If you don't think he deserves any blame for last night, he, he definitely shares a good portion of it. I do want to get to, I know we talked about how we want to keep this pretty concise that so we didn't talk in circles. Like, 
many have done this to today. And I mean, it's hard not to, uh, trust me, but I do want to know if you had any really like strong opinion of Kawan four basically being gone in the second half. I think I'm okay with that. And I, 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 just because, like I said, if you if you put a gun to my head and you said Ryan McMahon gets two open threes within the span of two minutes, does he miss both of them? I'm going to say no, a hundred times out of a hundred. And and Ryan McMahon is there during you know four Kwan four, and I think Ryan, um, I think in some of those there was a few opportunities where even I thought Ryan could pull in in some of those late game situations and he didn't. I kind of wish he had. Yeah. So I'm not like, I'm not super, I'm not super bummed about, I get it. I just, I don't know. It's, I think that's one of those button pressing situations. I get why Chris did it, but I don't think that necessarily, it was the wrong button maybe, Yeah. I just but I don't, thought that was, that I was, understood why he pressed the button. If right. that makes sense. It didn't feel overwhelmingly wrong. Like Christian Cunningham being the free throw line guy, you know, yeah. I just thought that was a nuance yesterday because in the first five minutes of the game, Kwan four was really aggressive and uh, you know, it didn't result in any points, but I, I did like that, like that yeah. role for him because I did think it, it cost the defense to adjust a little bit more, maybe open up the floor with, with um, some other options because you know, half the time, the reason why Ryan man has been so valuable would be on the floor is because he spreads it, even if he's not making shots. Yeah. So I, I think they try to get some of that from Kwan four. And, um, I think that's one positive little thing yeah. that we can, we can look at going forward and seeing if that continues. I, I and found to be fair, I think Kwan and Kwan four, you know, he has a 21.2% turnover rate yep. this year. Um, that's really high. So, I mean, not quite as high as a, a little bit higher than, uh, Christian Cunningham even, and not as high as Darius Perry. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I thought Darius was, was fine enough, but yesterday, <laughs> last night, um, there was and and I, all the guys made tons of mistakes. So you're, you're gr- grading it on, you know, like a curve to me anyway. Um, but, but go ahead with what you're saying. No. Sorry. And like, and you mentioned Darius Perry, I want to take a second and talk about him. And, and that's another reason why I'm super bummed about this game is that felt like the Darius Perry breakout game for 30 right. minutes, right? That felt like, okay, now he's going to be the contributor to this team. They need, he makes that, that weird shot at the end of the first half, which by the way, and I told everyone I possibly could during halftime, what that, that, that no one makes that shot ever. And Louisville's had two guys or three guys make that yeah, shot thought, against I him this year. That. that was a really good point. And, and finally, it fa- it falls for Louisville. That's that felt like fate to me. You know, like you're looking for the signs that something big is happening, and that felt like one of those signs. And this just makes so it hurt. What do we more. need to do? Do we need to we need to burn an animal? Is there got to be some type of like. Oh, sacrifice man. that is made somewhere in the streets of Louisville. And I switched up. I, I'm down. I'm down to do it, man. Uh, I, whatever you got. I had a buddy. I tweeted yesterday. I switched up the mojo. I wore a jersey I've literally never worn. Literally never worn this jersey. It was like a. It was a a March Madness jersey, and that I ended up getting for free. And I've never worn it just because it says number one on it. And I don't think anyone, uh, you know, besides T. Will, like I just no one's been number one on the team, so I just never wear it. And then 
I wore some sneakers I never wore to the game. And so I tweeted that out and I had a friend this morning text me with the tweets like, please burn these things. Never yeah. wear them again. Gotta bring and and like, all right. Yeah. Like I kind of like these sneakers. I kind of wear them to work sometimes, you know, <laughs> so, but you gotta bring the Chris Smith Jersey out now. So I know the Chris Smith Knicks Jersey that everyone thinks I have for real, but I just made up a hundred percent just for, um, not to, not to, not to be this person, but I mean, any thoughts on Zion? Any thoughts on Zion? Um, I thought he was great. I thought he was good. Um, I, I've seen some other games where I thought he was better. It doesn't yeah. really change my perspective of who I think he's going to be in the future. I think he's going to be one of the most exciting NBA players that come into the game in the last since LeBron. I'm not yeah. comparing to LeBron, but I do think you know get, there were times where he Louisville was able to to get him to his right shoulder and that yeah. thrown him off a little bit. So that was that was interesting. There was two or three plays that he had. Um, I think two. Uh, they were a few of them were against Stephen Enoch, if I recall. And I remember seeing some, saw some of the highlights today. Uh, there were two or three plays where he was just. I was just like, wow. It, it yeah. just they were wow, wow possessions. Wow, a guy who's two hundred seventy pounds shouldn't have a first step that quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, mean, I mean, you you saw him in person, so it was a little bit more of a different experience for you, I'm sure. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm, I wasn't courtside or anything. So it's, but you see, I think the one thing that you do get is just like how quick he is. Right. Cause he's a big dude and you see how big he is. And then you see him take the first step and he's practically halfway to the rim before the defender can even start moving that way. That to me was the biggest, the biggest sign. I thought the, I thought the officials were garbage, by the way. Yeah. Well, both sides. I don't want to be that guy. Louisville didn't lose the game because of the I, no. I mean, I mean, I, I thought I both mean, sides were pretty, pretty terrible. I think Zion Williamson probably had seven fouls, yeah. eight fouls, but I also think Louisville probably committed more than two fouls in the first. Yeah, half. dude, that that first half was was physical as hell. It kind of went downhill in the second half, but that first half felt like a Big East game. <laughs> it did. It, it it did a lot and. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, of course, you know, Louisville, it's been that way for a few years. Apparently, of course they can review the, the foot feet in the line. I mean, definitely Ryan's foot was there. Did you know that? I, I, I want to say I did after, I did. after it happened, I was like, Oh yeah, they can do that. <laughs> it, I mean, it was poetic justice because, you know, <laughs> Kentucky comes off a loss that they shouldn't have had just before that game on the same channel with the review that should have happened but can't happen. So that just made everything more, you know, however you want to put it, storybook, I yeah. guess. Um, we're kind of we're kind of drifting here, but I do because I do want to say one thing and related to Kentucky. You brought up Kentucky. Uh, a, a, a gentleman by the name of John Schnatter. Um, most popularly known as Papa John, uh, appeared behind the, 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 the UK bench yesterday. And, um, like a Matt Jones at Kentucky sports radio. I'm going to read this tweet real quick, Chris, cause this really upset me. He said, Papa in UK gear, not sure who likes this less UL fans or UK fans. And I just want to make it clear on behalf of all card nation if you disagree with me, you can at me, you can, you can DM me. Louisville fans are, are perfectly fine with John Papa John Schneider being nowhere near this Louisville basketball or football team ever again. Yeah. There is not a single person. If there is a person, they're weird. That wants Papa John's to be our biggest fan. 
it uh, I, I get so tired of seeing Deadspin post the same damn picture of drunk Papa John's in a Louisville shirt every time something happens to them. I think so Papa Louisville John... fans have no issue. Zero issue, Chris. <laughs> I want to make this clear. Zero <laughs> issue with Papa John's being a Kentucky fan. He uh, is yours now. You can have him. We are not upset. I'll take the little Caesars guy before I, had, I take Papa John's back. How about I'll this? I, I, I think that John Snyder is probably the perfect representation for the Kentucky fan base. That's, that's how I feel. So, <sighs> Man. So yeah. what's next, Chris? What's, what's next for this team? I, I, and um, Mike Rutherford tweeted during the game, and I, I felt the same way. It was almost part of the thing about last night was this isn't just about losing against Duke. It's, it's, this is a, that's a psyche shattering loss. Right. I don't know if I buy into that one as much as other people do. Okay. I, I think you can, you can sell people on that. That's fine. But with this team and the way they've responded after losses, of course, none like this. I, I don't know that that'll be much of a problem. I think that Clemson is pretty trash to be, to be honest with you. They get them Saturday in which is the closest thing to a must win for this team. I'm of the belief that mobile could lose out and probably still make the NCAA tournament. Don't think that's going to happen because I think you have two pretty much guaranteed wins left on your schedule with Notre Dame at home and at Boston college. Right. Um, so that would get him a 19 and that's, that's a lot for me, obviously, but Clemson, Clemson's a big one. You got to respond in a big way. And, and I do expect these guys to do that. I think I do too. Um, I, I mean, I get it. Like it, it does, it does mean something. I, I think it's noteworthy to that, that these guys have pretty much been very like on social media this year, uh, very Instagram, very Twitter. And maybe we just notice it more because of Patino having the no Twitter row, but yeah. none of them were on there today. Um, and I thought that was just something interesting, uh, to kind of that's a good give point. some insight to where they're at right now. That's a good point. And maybe that's for the best, <laughs> but no, I think, uh, listen, I mean, we talked a lot about toughness this year. Yep. I don't, I don't, think I don't think you can attribute this loss to lack of toughness when the 30 minutes before were were so gritty or so there was so much effort put out I think you know to to borrow from politics um someone likes to a lot of people like to refer to the democratic party as bedwetters and when some one thing goes wrong, just a bunch of things go wrong really quickly. I think that happens to kids, man. I think that happens to kids in college basketball, college football. You, it's not uncommon to see guys go down by 20 because it's just once the once the ball is rolling, the ball is rolling. And it's a snowball. So you're saying Chris Mack is Hillary Clinton is what you're I, I, No, you know, don't quote <laughs> me on that one, man. But we'll for sure use that for the tweet. Well, I can't wait to tweet that out. Is Chris Mack Hillary Clinton? Uh, yes, that yes. will that will get us retweets for sure. That'll get them. Um, yeah, Which, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think they'll be okay. I th- I hope they'll be okay. I think uh, I saw a stat that Louisville tends to overperform the line by nine and a half points after a loss. That's the average. That would assume that would make Louisville a winner on Saturday, right? Um, I don't know, man. I, I mean, we're in uncharted territory. We're in uncharted territory. Do you, uh, do you believe Chris Mack, uh, is still in line for coach of year honors? Uh, I think that that lost it. 
I think I it did nationally. I, I really I, do. Uh, nationally, I don't think you can I think have nationally that. it did. I don't th- I think he still got ACC locked up. Yeah. Just given just given the fact that the media knows the ACC media knows that Louisville was projected 11th and they're still what fifth in standings. Uh, they're actually still tied for four because yeah. They so lost today. I just today. I, I I think I think he still got that. But yeah, no. If he wins that, if we win the game last night, we're talking about Chris Mack, national coach of the year. Yeah, which I mean, hey, that's actually really significant that Syracuse lost tonight because. Louisville still, as of we set here on February 13th, is in line for that double buy in the ACC tournament. Exactly. Which makes, it, makes the game against Clemson even more that uh, that large. You know, they can pretty much take one more loss, maybe two losses, and still have a really good shot at that. So, I mean, that's that's really what they're playing for at this point beyond seed. Completely agree. And uh, I'm sure we'll cover it, Chris. We will cover it all. We will talk about it more. Um, any any last words before we wrap this thing up? Man, I think we covered it. I think we covered it. Want to wish everyone the best in their healing. Uh, keep on drinking the bourbons. Keep on drinking the beers. Keep on keeping on, guys. I want to thank everyone for listening in. And we will see you next time. Take care.